Hello and welcome to the Uncapped Podcast, brought to you by Idiom Brewing Company in Frederick, Maryland, and Havoc Brew Supply, your one-stop shop for your brewery's needs. Check them out at hophavoc.com. Hi everyone, I'm your host Chris Sands, and today I am joined by Monica Pierce, the founder-owner Distiller too, right? Or I can or, distill if but, needed, but we but, have a fantastic team right yeah. now. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you've moved on from needing to do that, right? <laughs> uh, of Tenth Ward Distilling Company, and as I was just saying, it's been so long since you've been a guest that mm-hmm. I think we should just record this as if you've never been on before and just Love it. tell your your whole story. Um, first, maybe though, we should talk about. Uh, I guess what even prompted us making sure we recorded this episode that we're co-hosting a speakeasy market in the beginning of December. Um, So I know that we still have a lot of specifics to iron out, Mm -hmm. but we can at least give dates and times and all that fun stuff. You want to go over that real quick? Yeah, and some even little sneak peeks into what we're going to do. Okay, cool. Uh, so I'll talk a little bit more about 10th Ward, but our front of house facility is located downtown Frederick at 55 East Patrick Street, where we have a cocktail bar and tasting room, and then also a beautiful event venue. In that venue is where we'll be hosting uh, an annual holiday market, but this year we're going to do something a little different, and we're hoping to sort of keep this on theme and trend every year. Um, because it's always around repeal day. And so we decided to do a prohibition speakeasy repeal day theme for our holiday market this year, which makes it a little bit more fun. We can encourage uh, support for the craft beverage industry as well. So we can get a few breweries, distilleries, wineries, other beverage folk, whether it be people that produce cocktail mixers, glassware, other types of you know kombucha, things like that. And that's why we decided to reach out to Uncapped Podcast and Chris to co-host it, work on it together. Maybe we'll be doing some either podcast recording or just promotional stuff while we're there. We'll do all kinds of cool stuff. All kinds of fun stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So that'll be December 3rd, which is a Sunday from 1 o'clock to 4 o'clock in both uh, floors of the 10th Ward space downtown. A variety of vendors, not just beverage themed vendors. There will also be some local artisans. Uh, if people want to do some gift buying, anything from cheese to flowers, we might even have a live T-shirt screen printing from um, Hannah. Specialties. Yeah, yeah, from the specialties. Folk. I, le- I I definitely enjoy watching that process. I feel like it kind of it's cool makes the apparel purchasing process even more fun when you get to see just made on demand and a side note if you buy them a drink they might let you print your own oh (laughs) (laughs) little hack yep (laughs) uh some other vendors i'm trying to think of who else we've talked about we're working on a few things that aren't set in stone maybe a bottle engraver so if you purchase a 10th word product for example you can write somebody's name on it or write a little note that's cool yeah happy holidays whatever um so anyways we're pumped about it it's going to be super themed decorated the dapper djs will be playing 20s era music i highly encourage people to dress up we'll be dressed up the first time i ever experienced them was at a repeal day party oh cool if you remember geez it must be like a decade ago now whenever the the first time like the brewery laws were really revamped Mm. and uh 
breweries could serve beer in their tap room to uh, like sell a pint to drink in the tap room. Flying Dog threw a oh, repeal cool. day party and had like a whole uh, repeal day, like 20s themed th- uh, party to welcome people back into the tap room. I remember that happening, but I don't remember that party specifically. I do remember, though, um, a whole bunch of repeal day parties were supposed to happen in 2020 as like a roaring 20s theme and there were going to be a ton of prohibition themed stuff happening then and sadly because of covid (laughs) and something got in the way yeah (laughs) i was just at the dock completely off topic but so do you have any idea how much a covid vaccine shot costs now if you if your insurance doesn't cover it no, I just figured they were still free and like no. you could just go on the side of the road and find a van or something. No, <laughs> no. That because we're not in a state of emergency anymore, uh, how much? they are not. And it's like 400 and some dollars if your insurance doesn't cover it. Wow. Okay. Uh, that's that's not going to help uh, <laughs> convince people to get them. <laughs> it was also that time, um, I remember because we have a wedding venue, was a very highly coveted wedding date, uh, 10, 10, 20, oh, 10, 20, 20. Yeah. And all of those weddings sadly had to get canceled because we could only have a capacity of like 20 people at a time. I can't even remember what it was, but that was a bummer. <laughs> um, and another thing we should mention real quick yeah. before we tell the 10th Ward story, because you're involved cool. in this, yeah. is the Rye Revival. Oh, I'd love on, to chat about that. Yeah, so you can um, give us a little bit more idea like what, what you're doing it. Jim Bachman was on recently and we, we talked about the event and what it's going to be. Cool. Um, but you can tell us you, what you're doing to participate in it. And I don't remember the date now. It's November 10th. Thankfully I've, I have the ad read right here. There you go. <laughs> November 10th. And you can get all the information at ryerevival.com. It's a, if you are at all into, uh, rye whiskey or just, Brown spirits in general. We're supporting a, uh, Maryland, yeah. uh, Maryland Farms, uh, Maryland craft beverage scene. It's pretty neat. You want me to talk a little bit yeah, about yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. Um, so, brief history of Maryland rye pre-prohibition. Uh, that was a large uh, good that was manufactured here in the state. I can't even tell you. We probably have it listed somewhere. There were hundreds of distilleries registered and not registered making it because you would just have guys back in their barn. And if I remember correctly, rye. it was because rye was so like, that's what was prevalently grown mm-hmm. in Maryland. Yep. And that's why it became what we used here to make whiskey. Correct. Um, rye was grown mostly for feed, but then of course it made a great whiskey. And the that best, was, yeah. I would argue. <laughs> we also made bourbon before it became a thing in Kentucky. So bourbon was very early on done okay. here in the state too. Um, and so the exciting thing that happened that we've been lobbying for a while uh, for this year was that the state of Maryland officially and legally designated rye whiskey as the state spirit. Um, so there are a number of distilleries that have been manufacturing it and working to or current active distilleries now working to promote the Maryland product, but now we're going to have assistance from the state, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. With the goal, at least in my mind, to start to rival the Kentucky bourbon trail. Yeah. I wanted to look that up, but I can't, I always forget to like how many states there are that have an official. I think this is the second, this is the only one that has like an actual product designated to it. The second one next to Kentucky, because you have Tennessee whiskey, but there's no 
um, like designation on what type of grain that is or mash bill. Okay. It's just made in Tennessee. Yeah. Um, Maryland rye has to, of course, have rye. Well, isn't in I mean, it? Although, isn't Tennessee whiskey just completely made up? That's just like a Jack Daniels thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's in songs. It's yeah. all that, and you know, you just you're in the south and yeah, you're drinking whiskey. <laughs> yeah, it's not like bourbon or other ones where there's a legal definition of what what it has to be correct so that's another reason why maryland's amazing because we have we have our own spirit and we have a dinosaur and i brought some today um that i can talk about i don't know if you're interested in trying or not if we can just talk about it right now uh the rye that we make is pretty bomb we call it maryland rye whiskey just because we want we don't want to have any other special name associated with it we want people to know what it is and celebrate it um, it is very unique. Our slogan is ward off ordinary. So we like to do things slightly different in that this one has a hundred percent malted rye as the mash bill. Oh, geez. Why do you hate your distillers? <laughs> um, they get excited about it. And that's because well, I just mean from the standpoint, like I know rye mashing is, rye ma- is yeah. <laughs> they've got their process down. Okay. Yeah. I guess once, like once you've worked with it a lot, it probably becomes much easier. Mm-hmm. But if you like, it's your, an occasional, uh, product, uh, that, the stuck rye mash is much more of a problem. Yep. I wonder if it's one of those things now where distillers in Maryland can distill a rye like the back of their hand, just like a tattoo artist in Maryland could do the Maryland flag, yeah. but probably nobody <laughs> else could. Yeah. You know, or like you don't get a crab cake outside of the state. <laughs> or, I mean, get one. It's just going to be really bad. Yeah, right. <laughs> Filled with breading. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what's cool about this being 100% malted rye is then it also technically makes it a single malt. Um, single malts are primarily known as scotches, which are hundred percent, usually barley. Um, however, now there are a lot of distilleries trying to designate the term of an American single malt. We don't know if that will be allowed to be put on our label because it's a rye mash bill and we're not sure what the federal government will be requiring as part of that designation. It's like the um, made stick that it has to be like barley or mm-hmm. weeded or yep. okay yeah that might be in the cards so we'll see but we can at least put single malt on the label now and um it's all grown and malted in maryland uh in a farm down the road called amber fields they've done some local stuff for monocacy before yeah, they do all the the rye for uh right rye, rye. Mm-hmm. exactly and what's cool about that is it's a strain of grain that he's that they've been growing for generations that nobody else has grown. So it's really cool because yeah, it's unique in the character in and of itself. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I had ever been told that aspect of their, their rye growing. Yeah. Yeah. And they malt there in house. Not very many farmers have a malt house. So we're just really fortunate that it all comes back around. And then the barrels come from West Virginia, great barrel company, which is also sort of local to us down the road. Um, so we're all are barrels still a problem yeah Why, they're mm-hmm. still hard to uh, short supply of them yeah and is so it if because you of the in... super growing demand or because it's just that that there aren't enough of them well it's... i mean i guess those two things would go hand in yeah. hand but but or is yeah. it like a thing where like someone out of business and or is it just because of the explosion of barrel aging beer and the explosion of craft distilleries in the country. I think it's a mix of that and a mix of the supply chain market being still in a big conundrum since COVID. Okay. So people had nothing to do during that time. So they were all thinking, why don't we just fill barrels, fill barrels, fill barrels. 
we need packaging supplies. We need to start, you know, getting everything stocked. And then shipping was the thing because people weren't going to places in person. And so I think that kind of just like everything just went. Fell apart. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah, I knew for, for a while um, sourcing new barrels became almost as hard as it was to get bottles. And I feel bad for either newer distilleries or smaller folks that only need a couple of barrels here and there because if you weren't already in with your projections of what you were need you were needing for the year um, and having an established relationship with a cooperage, then you're kind of on your own because the cooperage that we work with right now, I think their waiting list is out somewhere between four to six years. Oh, wow. From what I understand right now, Yeah. Yeah, because it's not some it's not a product that can be thrown together quickly. And they plant trees <laughs> daily. Yeah, yeah, but because even like just time. the the to prepare the staves takes a long time, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really cool. Our distillery uh, team did a tour a couple years ago of the facility, and it was really awesome to watch. And they also have new technology there of robots that are moving barrels around too. Oh, that's cool. And then, um, but they've they're in a town where. Um, I guess it was a mining industry there that had then fallen apart and no longer was being utilized anymore. So it was a town that had no jobs and lots of people and um, a local business person wanted to create jobs and they decided on a cooperage. And I think they have like 230 employees. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that is not a small operation. Mm -mm, No, (laughs) no. If you ever are out that way, I highly recommend it. Where in West Virginia? Oh my God. Uh, Davis, I want to say. I'd have to look it up. It's like a three hour drive away. I don't know why I asked. It's not like (laughs) I would, unless you said like uh, Charlestown or a couple (laughs) other big ones. It's not like I was going to have any idea where in West Virginia. (laughs) Where it was. We're digressing. So the Maryland rye is super bomb because it's a single malt. Uh, There is a lot more like sweetness and chocolatey notes to it. Those malt notes that you get when you're, you know, having roasted the grain or roasted a coffee, for example, that extracts some of those really awesome aromas and caramel flavors. And um, part of the reason we went this route is because traditionally Maryland rye was known to be sweet in nature. Uh, so we wanted something not sweet as in it's going to taste sugary at all, but sweet in a, a tasting note and aroma on your palate. It's uh, very smooth and easy. So we're super proud of this one. Idiom Brewing Company proudly offers a delicious variety of beers to satisfy the most discerning tastes. Best known for their wide array of IPAs, delicious fruited sours, and robust porters and stouts. Idiom has a simple goal in mind, to bring people from all walks of life together, to enjoy themselves and each other. Whether you're a hophead looking for explosively juicy IPAs, or one of the adventurous few looking to try boozy, sour, or complex flavors, or just looking to enjoy classic styles and seasonal favorites, they'll have a little something for you. Idiom Brewing Company is located in downtown Frederick, just south of the intersection of East Street and East Patrick Street, with ample seating directly on Carroll Creek. Great beer starts with great ingredients. At Havoc Brewing Supply, they offer a wide selection of premium hops, fruit purees, malt, cleaning supplies, and more. Their family-owned business is dedicated to helping you create the perfect beer. Havoc offers flexible contracts, lightning-fast shipping, and unrivaled customer service. Join the Havoc Brewing Supply family and elevate your brewing game. Shop small, brew big, grow together. Visit HavocBrewingSupply.com today to learn more. I watched the video, and smooth is what made me think of it, where they were carbonating and nitrogenating 
uh, whiskey hmm. and say like it completely removes any of the burn and just accentuates all the flavors. That's cool. Almost like, um, what were they turning whiskey into a seltzer kind of like making and, it bubbly? Yeah, I guess, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, that's basically what they're doing. And yeah. they said like it, it, when they were drinking it, it was like you wanted to drink it as quick and this like the same way as a soda and, it, cool. and they were doing it with like cask strength whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> Dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> I'd try it though. <laughs> So what uh, what are you doing at Rye Revival? Because I know you're one of the speakers, correct? Yep. I'm speaking on a pan- panel with a bunch of um, uh, awesome ladies in the industry. I don't know if I can say a bad word on here. I was going to say bad. I, you know. Yeah, I mean, you can. Okay, badass la- la- ladies. Yeah, well, you <laughs> definitely can say that. Because okay. the, the last episode, the um, one of the guests dropped at least 30 bath bombs. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So anyway, a bunch of awesome ladies in the industry will be talking about uh, each of us sort of what we do and what makes what we do unique in the rye industry specifically. Um, We'll also be tasting and I believe there's a tasting event that evening that 10th Ward will be participating in because that one is also specific to uh, rye. That's the the, uh, what do they call the Grand tasting, grand whiskey tasting. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So we'll have a booth for that. Too. Good thing I didn't clean that piece of paper up. Yep. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Things happen for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you can get your tickets at ryerevival.com. Uh, so now let's talk about 10th Ward. Yeah. So what, uh, what were you doing before 10th Ward? I was a conservation biologist. I don't, th- I didn't, I for some I reason thought you were that. always in marketing. I, so th- it's kind of weird because, um, well, I've always been in hospitality and service. Mm-hmm. So I started waitressing when I was 14 and have done some sort of waitressing, bartending, managing, whatever since then. Um, so that came very natural to me, the customer service side of yeah. things. Um, I worked for a nonprofit for a long time. I got my undergrad and master's degree over a period of like 10 years and traveled and did cool stuff before I moved back to Frederick. And the nonprofit that I worked for specialized in something called social marketing, which is using corporate marketing principles for the good of something, right? So like anti-smoking campaigns, recycling, Smokey the Bear, okay, anything like that. Like, and so public service announcement type. Yeah, things. yeah, but it's also uh, really cool because it was also based on like scientific, um, almost human behavior because we were working with. Um, uh, endangered species because that's what the mission of the organization was was to cons- was conservation um but you have people for example that are dynamite fishing that never knew any better because they did that for generations yeah. and they never learned how to fish any other way and so you have to like there's a whole like almost social behavior is component. dynamite fishing exactly what it sounds like it is they just throw yeah. a stick of dynamite in the water and it blows up and kills everything and then they all float to the surface and they handpick what fish they want to eat or sell and everything else is left, which is very sad, sad for coral reefs, sad for ecosystems. <laughs> I, I, I don't think I knew such a thing existed. Mm-hmm. And so we worked on everything like that, like forestry and poaching and, um, but we did like scientific studies and human studies. And then we would create a marketing campaign to uh, benefit that community and that species okay. as well. Um, and because of that, even though I had a background in science, I had to be able to tie my science data to the social data. So we had to have a lot of marketing and branding training. Yeah. 
um, because we were very involved in the whole process and the campaign from beginning to end and even follow up. And so um, for years, I knew everything there was to know about marketing principles, social media, PR. um, And that was really neat because it's not something that I thought I would ever learn having been interested in science and then not something I realized I would be applying to my business. That's completely different than any of that. (laughs) So when, how did you get into uh, distilling and wanting to own a distillery? I've always been a big whiskey drinker. That was sort of my beverage of choice and had one of those days where I was ready to move back to my hometown. I was traveling too much. I was ready to leave my job and kind of just said, screw it. I emptied my bank account. Um, <laughs> decided to do something cool. All the breweries were just starting to pop up. So there were a few. There was a boom happening across the country. But in Frederick, it was just starting to happen. Um, I knew I didn't want to do a brewery because I liked whiskey. So that's when I thought maybe something a little different. Um, and then we even had our own little distillery boom. The three of us opened in Frederick within yeah. like six months of each other. Um, so that's how 10th Ward came to fruition. And when, when did 10th Ward open? July of 2016. So we turned seven this year. So did Uncapped. Oh, did cool. it? No, Happy not birthday. yet. This week. Happy birthday. Actually, I completely forgot about that because I normally do an anniversary episode, but it's not happening this year. You're fired. And it's, it wasn't my fault. So we'll <laughs> fire the person whose fault it was. Uh, tomorrow is the seven year anniversary of Uncapped. Love it. First episode was with Old Mother Brewing, Aww. who uh, co-hosted the first time you were on. Yeah. When, when I thought that um, distilleries would just be a side little, little thing. Fad. And then I, <laughs> well, not a fad, but that I wouldn't care oh, about sure. spirits. Yeah. Um, and then I, so the na- the the numbering of uncapped episodes has always been off because I did the four episodes with Frederick Distilleries, but I named them separately and numbered them separately outside of the rest because I didn't think I would ever have other distilleries on. And but since then, I've had all kinds and (laughs) probably other non breweries or distilleries too, right? Now it's just if I see something interesting and the person's willing to be a guest, I have them on. Cool, why not? (laughs) Um, so how. How long did it take you from the point of, I don't want to do this work anymore to opening a distillery to make that happen? Um, let's see. So I, I think I was, I was working on it on the side for about six months. Um, and then I was actually about to put in my notice. I was bartending at Bellis's, the pool hall okay. here in Frederick, uh, in the evenings and then doing 10th word stuff during the day. And I was about to put in my notice and they laid off my entire department. I made that easier. Yeah. Which was even <laughs> nicer because I got six months of pay. Even better. Yeah. I got paid out for my vacation and everything. So I was um, just saving, saving, saving so I could put it into the business. Yeah. Um, and able to, you know, live <laughs> Yeah. Uh, before we started making money. But it took us about, a, I think, from beginning to end, about a year and a half to do everything. And we also started very small on a very small shoestring budget. Um, and moved very quickly. I think some distilleries can take up to even five years to open, depending on if you're waiting on barrel-aged product or on um, depending on even where you're opening, approvals and licenses and stuff like that. So, And in this short time, you've gone through several expansions and moves and changes. Mm -hmm. Because so you started 
that original what road is that on church east church on, on church right next to is raging reef still there or did they move so. too i think they're still there okay maybe not well i hope so yeah well i, I think they still exist but yeah. i feel like they may have i'll have to text them or or maybe i'm thinking of a different well anyway you were mm-hmm. you were there yes. <laughs> and then so the first the first expansion was the cocktail lounge, right? Mm-hmm. If you see, we were in that original production space, and then opened the cocktail lounge and event space on Market Street. And we made that move, also jumping off a cliff there, which is just something you do <laughs> when you're a business owner. Yeah. And people are like, "You must be crazy," and you're just like, "I didn't think it was at the time. We just did it." Yeah. <laughs> um, that. But was I feel before. like that, like uh, almost any successful business, that is what's happened. I think I. I almost feel like you can't be successful if you aren't willing to take big risks. Because, sure. I mean, yes, there's a great chance of failure, but that's also usually what reaps the greatest rewards and is 100% why I would never work as a business owner <laughs> because I'm way too risk averse to, to gamble everything on an idea. Yeah, you've seen too many of us now yeah. that, <laughs> that are up and down. So, oh, and so what was risky about it was, um, you know, we were talking about breweries and that repeal party and how breweries couldn't pour pints in their tap rooms. Distilleries couldn't serve cocktails in their yeah. tasting rooms. And so we were lobbying to change that law, but at the time it hadn't been passed yet. And so oh, I didn't realize that the timing of that worked that way where you, oh yeah, because you pretty much were open as soon as that, like when the law went into place is when you mm-hmm. were opening. We were open maybe for a few months before it became active in that facility, yeah. but we had signed a lease maybe like. Calling all whiskey fans, our friends at Maryland Distillers Guild and Grow and Fortified have curated an unforgettable experience for you. Get ready for Rye Revival, celebrating Maryland's whiskey heritage. The festivities kick off on Friday, November 10th with the Maryland's Rye Symposium, this conference-style event features a diverse lineup of speakers, including whiskey writers, professionals, and world-renowned distillers. Following the fun of the symposium, the festivities continue at Friday Night Rye. This grand whiskey tasting features whiskey, rye, and bourbon from 10 Maryland producers and guest producers Catoctin Creek Distilling, George Dickel, and Whistlepig Whiskey. Your whiskey weekend continues with scheduled engagements at Maryland Distilleries. For tickets and details, please visit ryerevival.com. Six months before the bill even went up, or maybe nine months before the bill even went up for voting, um, knowing that it was something we were going to actively lobby and change, only because of also just from a fairness perspective, breweries and wineries, you could walk into any of those and have a full glass, but distilleries, you still were limited to samples. Yeah, you can have a little thimble shot of of whatever it was and then make your purchasing decision. Right. (laughs) Um, at least we could do that. At least we could sample. Yeah. Um, during COVID we had to convince people what something tasted like, <laughs> uh, when we did like farmer's markets and oh, stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, so yeah. So then we moved into that space in five years ago now, cause we just renewed that lease. So in 2018, um, and we kept our production on church street. That was only 1600 square feet. That initial yeah, space. It was tiny. It was and really your first small. still was tiny. Very tiny. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I wish I had it. Somebody just asked me, I think it was like a hundred gallons or something really small. Somebody was just asking me about it. So then we moved into that space and in that space, that's about 6,000 square feet was extra space. And I just, in 6,000 square feet, I just don't think it's possible to fill with the only cocktail bar and tasting room and be that busy. 
um, maybe in a much larger city yeah. with a big tourism hub, although our tourism here is great. And so that's when we decided to go the event space route because we'd seen it successful in other places yeah. and there was a demand for it in town. People seem to love ha- to have events where alcohol was made. Yeah. <laughs> and we're all in these really cool, you know, yeah, renovated gonna, old buildings. I was going to say in, in Frederick, it also helps that almost all of them are in some historic, mm-hmm. uh, like, uh, his, uh, old building that just looks amazing yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, so that's cool and that what's really cool about that is it it helps pay the bills it helps um bring down our overhead for our product so that we can competitively price it and it brings an extra couple hundred people through the door a week that may have never heard of us before if they're attending a wedding or a corporate party or something like that or even just checking you out as a potential location. As a venue. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So so that uh, happened in 2018. And that place has sort of morph- morphed as it has gone. We've learned what works, what our hours sort of work. And we have music programs and stuff like that. We do jazz on Thursdays, live music on Fridays. We do some cool stuff there. Cocktail specials. We're doing spooky specials every week in October. So... That one's fun. And then we realized we, we were really out of room in that 1,600 square foot space when we started producing canned cocktails, what we call RTDs. Yeah. Um, because that required just a lot of storage of um, packaging materials, both finished and unfinished. Um, so that during COVID was why we started doing those because we were doing those like cocktail deliveries and little Tupperware containers and they were like, or the bags and every creative possible way of, (laughs) right. And it didn't look that pretty. Right. So we, we took another leap there. Thankfully at that time though, no one cared. They just wanted the alcohol (laughs) (laughs) and they felt good supporting a business, you know? So that was cool. Uh, so then we, found the facility now that we have out by the airport, which is in the same warehouse compound where you see Puerto Rico distillery, Dragon distillery. Um, Idiom has their production yeah. facility. There. There's a whole bunch of stuff out there. It's like a booze headquarters. Yeah. it's It smells really good when you're in the parking lot. It all smells like green. And a really cool art place. I was at that. Um, I can't remember the real name of it, but it's, yeah. it, it's right next to the... Um, the CrossFit gym, oh, right, cool. like in the in the area where Camp Bow Wow is, yeah, and it's like they're one of the things they offer is like you can go into this little walled off room and you hang the canvas on the wall and like you can just throw paint at it. I had no idea that yeah. was there. They ju- oh. it, it's only been a month. They oh, ju- okay. they just uh, oh, cool. expanded into that location. We'll have to. Do team building something. Yeah, that's maybe, a lot of yeah. what their business is. Yeah. It's people like businesses taking their employees there to Oh, how to cool. So that facility we've been in for almost three years now, and that's about 9,000 square feet. So we went from teeny tiny 1,600 square feet to a combined 15,000, which is crazy to think about in yeah. seven years. Uh, but that's where my office space is. Uh, that's where we do all production. We have a whole... Um, storage area for all of our offsite team members that do festivals and farmers markets, our tents and all that type of stuff there. So anything you could imagine production wise is run out of that spot. Do you have your own canning line or do you use a mobile canner? As of only a month ago. Oh, awesome. Mm -hmm. Congratulations. Thank you. Those were hard to buy for a little while also. Oh, and let me tell you the original quote that we got a year or two ago, just like doubled in price since when, when we actually did purchase one. So there are times where I wish we had pulled the trigger just because of material cost hikes. 
I'm but, surprised that hasn't gone back down, but I guess the the demand probably still continued because mm-hmm. you still have now you have more and more distilleries wanting canning lines and, mm-hmm. and as breweries do, and I'm sure it's all the same sort of size and capacities yep. that a, a small craft brewery would purchase for yeah. a canning line. The only difference is we don't do any carbonation in our cocktails. So we don't have, there's some things that we don't have to worry about that a brewery okay. does, which is nice for us. Um, pressurized tanks, low fills, low fills. We can just crack open and pour back in the tank, things like that. Oh, that is convenient. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Breweries don't get to do that. Yep. But <laughs> their employees do get to take home all of yeah. the low fills. So we don't have that. that yeah. Bit, so I guess your, your employees <laughs> don't like it as much. Yeah, We do get to save a little money. <laughs> I'm trying, I can't, I want to find the name of that art place, but I can't find it now. Mm-hmm. Must have deleted that email because it was, it was at a chamber event thing that I went to that was there. Um, cool. What, what kind of canning line did you get? So Alpha and there's a company oh. called Lotus that has now like merged a whole bunch of companies. So technically oh, okay. like Alpha would have been the main manufacturing company, but it's now owned by Lotus. Um, so that's the overall name uh from what i understand it's the lamborghini of canning lines and we love it for that reason they are also incredibly finicky so we say the f word a lot the first couple of weeks of running it until <laughs> until you really learn how to use one of those they are definitely uh it's it's not uh sit down and just figure out how to use right no not at all but it's awesome it's super automated uh it's really a brilliant system and we're saving a lot of money and a lot of time by being able to so the, is the canning the canning line then is that is it branded alpha like does it have a big green lotus a on or, it uh, no i think oh, it okay. might be branded lotus now, okay because i can say a lot of um a lot of cra- local craft breweries have alpha lines well like yeah. idiom idiom has an alpha so it's the then, same thing it's just got a new name on it and oh, okay. what's nice about that with idiom being next door is we traded mike a lot of whiskey the past the like first few weeks <laughs> to just help us figure out yeah stupid little things that even their text like wouldn't suggest that we do that Mike had figured out on his own because he had been working on a line like yeah. that for a long time. So we're really grateful to, you know, you know, the industry. Yeah. And that's what I mean. Like they're, they're so complicated <laughs> that there are all those tiny little things you just learn from using them for so long, how yeah. to make them more efficient and work better. Um, how has, has RTDs made up a, a large percentage of your sales? Yeah, more than we thought. And actually what's really cool about them, which is something we realize even just trends in any part of the business that change um, when we have one arm of the business down, another one supports it, is that um, the cans are much more popular in the summer and then the whiskey is much more popular in the winter. So um, when beach season is over, more people are drinking oh, that whiskey. that makes sense. Like and pool, really- poolside, beach, or any, mm-hmm. any kind of outdoor activity, the... RTDs are more popular. Yeah. That would make sense. So it's pretty neat. They all trade off. And then we have um, a very uh, quickly growing retail club, subscription clubs. So we have a bottle club and a canned cocktail club. And that's been really interesting for the distillers because they can come up with fun, unique recipes for something new all the time. I um I don't understand any alcohol producing company that doesn't have some sort of like membership or <laughs> subscription I hope y'all are service listening. like that. It's worth it. <laughs> yeah. Like every, everyone that has one usually sells out. Like if they, if they cap 
how how many mm-hmm. memberships they have sure. almost always sell out every one. Yeah. Yeah. And um, we continue to now that we have more capacity, uh, grow that club. So our team members are also just um, encouraged to sign up as many members as they can, which is pretty cool. So, yeah, I guess if it like the way you operate, you really don't need to put any kind of a cap on it. Yeah, because but. what we'll do is we estimate, we can project like the the bottle club, for example, we've had for five years now. So now I know like at what percent our clubs grow every year. So we can project how many labels we need to order, how much product we need to make and so on. And we do that both for the cans and the bottles. But we're now at a, probably a combined membership of almost 800 members between both clubs. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really fun. It's really fun to be a part of it. There's always something new coming out. We do exclusive events for them. They have little specialty menu items when they come in, which is a club members only cocktail. So has um has the number of distilleries making absinthe grown or are you still one of the few we're, doing we're still it? Still the only one in Maryland right now. Um, I believe there are two. No, there's one that stopped producing in New York and one that still is in Virginia. Uh, but otherwise, no, it's not uh, a hugely growing industry, although it is one of our best selling products, probably because of that, because yeah, we're, you know, we're not competing with anybody. Yeah. And if you want it, it's and you want prefer a local, you're the only option. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's delicious. We're also lucky there. But yeah, a lot of distillers don't want to mess with it. It's a hard product to make. And it took us a lot of working on and research to get there. What makes it difficult? The louche, which is when you introduce ice water to the absinthe, it becomes cloudy. Um, and science kind of happens there. So alcohol and water like each other than, better than fats and alcohol do. And there are a lot of rich oils present in the herbs that are in absinthe. Uh, so the water bonds to the alcohol when you introduce it to absinthe and it pushes out those fats. Um, but if you don't properly distill it, if you don't properly color and digest the absinthe, which are stages in absinthe distillation, um, you're not going to get that loose. Uh, so a good absinthe, once you introduce ice water to it, is going to be almost creamy and opalescent and not even see-through in appearance. The mouthfeel changes. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty neat. I like the phrase in science happens. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. And if you want to know more, I'll explain it to you. Uh, But yeah, we can do, um, if anybody ever wants to do traditional table side fountain service with the sugar cube and the slotted spoon and everything, we do all of that there. That's really cool. I I love drinks that have like a whole pomp and circumstance behind (laughs) like it's a big ritual to the presentation and serving of it. Yeah. And it's engaging. So, yeah, you know, you're going to have a, a whole, cool experience. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I hear that's what the kids enjoy now is that uh, mm-hmm. experience, the experience is what they want. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. Something they can take pictures of, something they can not be bored over because everything's a flash in a pan right now yeah. with social media. You know what I mean? Dream so. Free Art is the name of the place. Oh, cool. Okay. Finally found it. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> probably right behind us. So I would just have to drive to the other side of the building. Yeah. To I mean, see it, it's right on that other, the other side. Cool. Um, so, what exciting things, I mean, other than obviously the speakeasy market, does 10th Ward have coming up? Let's see. So, um, we're now regularly producing our whiskeys, whiskeys. So, through our expansion, we also purchased a new still out of British Columbia that we named Mama Bear because they're known for their grizzly bears in that region. 
Yeah, so that's cool. That was a 2,000 liter still. So now we have both our smoked bourbon and our Maryland rye regularly available when they were normally just selling out all the time. Um, we're bringing back our honey jack in a couple of weeks, which is a highly coveted product distilled from orchid cellar mead and then barrel aged. And they're a meadery uh, down the road in here in Frederick County. Um, the clubs are always popping off and there's always something cool coming out. We're doing a bloody Maryland release in a couple of weeks for the can cocktail club, which has our Maryland rye in it. Oh, nice. So bloody Mary with our Maryland rye. Uh, yeah, but otherwise, we're really just gearing up for the holidays, booking holiday parties, getting like gift sets put together. And these are the, the last three months of the year, big for spirits. Um, how often does your cocktail menu change or does it stay pretty? Seasonally. So okay. every quarter. And that changes with the release of our seasonal liqueurs. Um, so those are an apple brandy base distilled from fermented cider that comes from McCutcheon's. And then we infuse it with seasonal botanicals. So the winter liqueur will come out at the end of November and we'll change over to winter cocktails, probably Thanksgiving week. Uh, but they're always fun and engaging and over the top yeah. and uh, delicious. So, um, Do, you, do you, you have an old fashioned on your menu all the time though, right? Mm -hmm. What do you use? For which which one of your products do you use the for smoked that? bourbon. Okay. Yep, we do what we call the smoked fashioned. Um, it's very popular. And what's cool about it is you'll go to a bar and order a smoked old fashioned and they have to sit there and smoke the glass for you. Yeah. Our bourbon's already smoky, so don't even have to worry about that extra step. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, in our old studio, I had someone who um, did like cocktail uh, making classes and then like she also had a business where like she would uh, like service parties cool um and she smoked a cocktail in there for me and I got yelled at because it smoked up the whole room oh, no. and, um, I thought it was funny but yeah <laughs> other people apparently did not that reminds me that's another fun thing that's coming up we're also doing quarterly cocktail classes with FCC. Oh, cool. Yeah, so it's an adult program that they run that's sort of a non-college credit program that they do educational yeah. series, and they come to 10th Ward. You learn about the basics of cocktail making, simple syrups, garnishes, all of that stuff, and you also learn how to make your own, and then you get a little cocktail at the end. So, I made my own simple syrup, for, and, it, and I'm talking like it's an accomplishment. <laughs> it's so damn easy. But it's amazing how much of a difference it makes Yeah, when you make the your own out of dem Demerara sugar. Yes, that's yep. the word. Yeah, <laughs> that I yeah, can never ingredient. remember how to. <laughs> but like, it made my old fashioned so much better, and I, I didn't realize that it was that go. big of a deal. Another pro tip: if you are making simple syrup at home and you want it to last longer, get a high proof alcohol, like an Everclear or something like that, and put a little splash in, and it'll oh. add another month to your simple syrup. But life. still lasts a pretty long time, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, I'd say like in the fridge, probably about a month. Oh, I thought it was longer than that. I yeah. should probably dump out then what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> you can chance it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm supposed to be writing, and well, I was supposed to be done already, an article about finding <clears throat> the best old-fashioned uh, in Frederick. Oh, I remember and, that. And then life happened, and I mm -hmm. still haven't written it yet. I actually got semi-scolded by the editor yesterday because <laughs> I it. let her know that I was not going to have it done <laughs> in time of the like the second deadline that was given to me. Well, this is old fashioned season. Yeah, I know. I need to get in gear and just make it happen. There you go. Yeah, the brown stuff people get excited about when it starts to get cold out. So. Yeah, I've, <laughs> I've 
had other uh, distilleries tell me like October, November, they switched from being a clear distillery to like mm -hmm. like dramatically the shift in yep. consumer preference from the summer and earlier in the to in October and December to brown Hot toddies, all that Manhattan's, all that type of stuff. Yeah. yeah, it's neat. It's neat to see. And it's like, I feel fortunate that now we're in seven years so we can predict the trends. Like we know dry January is never going to go away now, yeah. sadly for us. <laughs> um, and so we're now familiar with it. So it's cool to, to see it and be able to plan accordingly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause it don't, it only seems to grow every year too. Oh yeah. Dry January. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But for us, and you know, I talked a little bit about like different arms of the business balancing each other. A term that I learned in business ownership that I never realized we were doing is called having a diversified revenue stream. <laughs> and so the wedding venue is one of those streams yeah. and a lot of people get engaged during the holidays. So when we're really slow in January and February at the bar and with spirit sales and stuff like that, because people are broke from the holidays and yeah. unhealthy and want to feel good about themselves, uh, they're also booking weddings so it kind of balances oh uh, that yeah that's a, out for sales for us which is cool have you have you considered or looked into doing non-alcoholic spirits at all or is that not not something worth spirits but we do mocktails at okay. the bar yeah and that's only because um there's only so much we can do and I want to, I already feel like we do too much. And so streamlining our product yeah. line is the, is like the more and more I want to do and not just say yes to everything. But when I get, because you have a cocktail lounge and you can just serve a mocktail, you really mm -hmm. don't need to have your own spirits for it. Cause yeah. I don't, I still don't know how I, I would venture to guess like the mocktail market is much larger than the non-alcoholic spirits. Yeah. Yeah. But they're growing. They're growing. Yeah. Everything. Everybody's more health conscious right now. Gluten free conscious, whatever it is. Um, I've, I've, I've seen them on the market and it's pretty cool. Yeah. I haven't tried any. I've heard that some are really, really bad. Yeah. But that, there are, <laughs> that there are some decent ones. Yeah. And it's probably, it, I feel like making a non-alcoholic, gin or a vodka would be harder than like a spiced something you know what i mean yeah like where there's cinnamon flavor overwhelming or, flavors to mm -hmm. mask any of the tomfoolery yeah, of non-alcoholic exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh is there anything else that you want to cover before i ask you some stupid questions let's see so i also brought today the smoked bourbon which we talked a little bit about yeah. in the um old fashioned. And I brought the Maryland rye and the smoke bourbon only because like I said, it's tis the season. Although I am wearing flip flops right now and it's like 80 degrees yeah. outside. <laughs> um, but we're in Maryland. That's how it is. Uh, so those are, um, what it was though, 40, 40 degrees this morning. Yeah. There you go. So we're just confused <laughs> yeah. like always. Uh, so those are out and we're pumped about that, but otherwise, uh, come, Thanksgiving week, we open seven days a week for the holidays. And then, um, you know, one more reminder about our market. Yeah. But we can December 3rd, 1 to 4. Yeah. We'll have everything on our websites and Facebooks, and you guys will yeah. see the links all over once the we place. have it all posted. You'll get sick up. of seeing about it until yeah. you just relent and show up. And show up. <laughs> Who would win in a battle between a ninja and a pirate? Mm, a ninja. That's wrong. Ah. <laughs> Does, Why is that? I do you have any reasoning? No, I don't need a <laughs> okay. reason. I'm the host. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just, it's a hill I've decided to die on that a pirate would win. Okay. 
Um, does pineapple belong on pizza? Not on mine. That's half right then. <laughs> it doesn't belong on any pizza. Okay. That's <laughs> disgusting. Um, what is the largest animal that you could that you think you could defeat in hand-to-hand combat? Uh, a cat. <laughs> <laughs> that's they're vicious though. Oh uh, yeah, that's true. I don't know. Uh, hold on. Can I answer that one? Let me think of another large animal. I don't know. A manatee. <laughs> They're supposed I mean, to be friendly, right? Yeah. <laughs> worst case, you could just run from it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you could only use one utensil, eating utensil for the rest of your life, which would you choose? I'm okay with chopsticks, actually. I uh, think they're more versatile than a spoon or a fork. Unless you're eating soup. I guess you could slip it. Yeah, but then you just drink it. You don't you don't really need a utensil for soup. You just drink it. Yeah. I mean, people may look at you and think you're rude, but (laughs) you're still going to be able to consume it. What's the weirdest item you've ever purchased? Oof. It would probably have to be something tenth word related. Stupid can also fall into that category too. Stupidest thing you've ever purchased. Mmm. Oh, this is silly. This is just like an awkward thing that I felt silly doing. I'm using corn as a decoration for our uh, fall decor, even though we source thousands of pounds of corn all the time from a farmer. He mills it for us so it doesn't look pretty. So I had to go to a feed store and I and had to be buy. like, I was like, <laughs> I have to buy corn feed. Um, it just was, and they were like, for what? <laughs> Picture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you were a new member of the Spice Girls, what would your name be? Whiskey girl. Okay. Whiskey woman? Yeah. If, well, I get, it would have to be whiskey spice. Whiskey spice. Okay. I think, don't, yeah, they all have spice in the name, right? Cool. Yeah. So it would have to be whiskey spice. Okay. And if you answered anything else, that would have been stupid. (laughs) Who would play you in a movie about your life? Hmm. What's that girl? Emma Stone, maybe? That would work. Pretty down to earth and cool. What is your go-to excuse to get out of plans? Oh, I can always use the business because yeah. that's usually what happens anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you know, somebody called out, somebody got COVID. <laughs> yeah, it's owning a business or having kids yep. or kind of like building excuses for anything. Mm-hmm. Something's flooding. <laughs> What's the weirdest thing you've ever eaten? Mm. We have some weird stuff that we infuse with, things that I probably would have never heard of, like annatto seed, even wormwood. Have you ever tried wormwood before? No. It's really bitter, actually. Like you, it would kill your palate if you ate even just the littlest bit. One, see, I'm not, I'm not sensitive to bitter at all, so I'm kind of Mm. curious about trying it. Do you like Amaro's then? Those like bitter liqueurs? Yeah. 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 Yeah, And I, and I, I definitely gravitate towards, um, uh, bitter beers and things because cool. I I don't I don't think I don't think I perceive it as strongly as other. Were you other ever a smoker? Flavors. No, no, interesting because no, I know like, sometimes that will like change your palate for that reason. Yeah, never smoked a cigarette in my life. Huh, okay, cool. But then like um, things like clove or um, nutmeg, I think not 
like are just mm-hmm. absolutely repulsive to me. Really? Yeah. My mom is like that. She doesn't like like the fall baking spices type yeah, of thing. I, and people pumpkin go, spice anything yeah, is your thing. absolutely disgusting <laughs> to me. I just cannot. I love cinnamon, but every other flavor involved is repulsive. What about, you know what I like to flavor stuff with in the fall that is not that is um, rooibos tea. Like red rooibos tea. It's um, very uh, almost like tobacco-y and vanilla in nature and slightly smoky. Yeah, I don't think I've ever had that. I'd recommend it if you want like a winter spice without going like spiced, you know, cider type of thing. I'll have to give that a try. Mm -hmm. If you had to eat the same thing for every meal for, oh wait, no, we'll skip that one. I don't like that question. Okay. (laughs) What's the dumbest dumbest injury you've ever had? Hmm. Oh, I, I, I just don't know if I can like walk normally because I always have a stub toe and like a missing toenail on my left toe. I just like crash into all types of corners. <laughs> my, even my <laughs> flip flops are like, I'm, I can probably show you here. See how it's like worn down right here where my one toe is always on the oh. left toe is it, it's worn down in that one section. Why? I don't know. I stuffle my feet or something, but not my right foot, just my left foot. (laughs) That's dumb. Mm -hmm. Thanks. I've broken that toe before a couple of times. (laughs) Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Uh, I never took a side on that. I guess you kind of have to, right? No. I don't think you have to because I don't care. Okay. People like they're like. People seem to care about that. It's entertaining if it's randomly on TV to like have in the background. Yeah. What's the best excuse you've ever heard for being late? Hmm. Um, one that I think is actually a really smart one to use, even if this didn't happen to you, which I've heard before because nobody wants to mess with it, is diarrhea. Yeah, that that I've always heard that is like if you <laughs> use that excuse, there's never going to be a follow up question. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> one wants any details or <laughs> any explanations of. I will do one more. Yeah. <clears throat> what. What's the one thing that you would want to be the best in the world at? Ooh. Hmm. Probably. I'd like to improve my palate, my sensory abilities. So, yeah, being like uh, the best noser, taster, blender. I've always wished that, too. Yeah. Like that I like I was a super taster and had like a really good palate. Because there um, are people, if you've ever taken, there are these like nosing for faults classes you can take. Yeah. And people I've, will smell a whiskey and they'll be like, there was mold in the warehouse 100 feet away from this barrel. <laughs> and and, they'll, and it'll be accurate and it's crazy. Yeah. The, I, I went through uh, um, a BJCP course and like people were rattling off stuff and uh, like I... Either I didn't perceive any of that or like I never would have mm-hmm. like been able to verbalize it after tasting yeah. it. Yeah. And I've got, I will say I've gotten so much, but I mean, I was already okay at it, but I've gotten so much better having grown 10th ward. But people that get lost in that or they feel like they should know more or understand it better, I usually just tell them, you like what you like. So just pick what tastes good to you. Yeah. I, had you know? to, I mean, I'm completely fine with my ability to just grunt good or bad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Which is also why I don't do any kind of reviewing or <laughs> anything. Smart. Cause I do not feel like I have a palate that <laughs> is worthy of uh, judging anyone else's work. There you go. Very <laughs> fair. <laughs> Cause even, even when I, when I write the article on, um, the best old fashioned it's really just a metric of data that i'm going to use there you go uh, on 
like on scoring, like cool. the type of syrup used, the type of cherry that's used, the mm-hmm. like, like those types of things. And I'll, I'll give some. Are you going to evaluate <laughs> ours? Yeah, I, you're on the list. Cool. I, I have. Oh, I made that list so long ago. I probably wouldn't be able to find it. Um, well, because I wanted to do ever. I wanted to it be just in Frederick City. But I wanted to have 10, so I actually had to even go outside of oh, the okay. city because there's not a lot of – there There were surprisingly few places that have them on – Regularly their, on their on menu. Their, yeah. Yeah. And cool. I don't want like a place that has like maybe once a year they have it on their menu. Sure. Or or, or like we can make you one. Like, mm-hmm. well, no, that doesn't count. Like mm-hmm. it, it needs to be on your menu as Neat. something people can – I'm excited to see the review. So someday that will happen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's just there's there's a like the way I want to do it. There's a lot of work involved because I need to contact every business Mm. and I don't necessarily have a contact for everyone because I don't want to just show up and then like like I don't didn't like the the that old fashioned or the rookie bartender was the only one and that's what i mean like that's like like i want to let the either the manager or the owner of the place recommend when i come because they're like their old fashioned may be the best one because there's this one bartender that's passionate about making them while every other one is what's either the rookie one who just started and so like i i want to avoid having that happen so it's will you evaluate how they're made like the like if they the, use a mixing glass yes, versus a shaker yep, versus a, oh cool yep that's one Neat. of the one one of the criteria because cool. I I have I love old fashions oh good so I Me have too. a uh, um a very narrow mindset of how they <laughs> <laughs> how they should be done because uh, I mean before I took a little drinking hiatus that like that's mainly what I was drinking was old fashions because one I just I love making them yeah um and they're absolutely delicious and not as filling as beer yeah mm-hmm. and I sleep phenomenally there you go if I have a whiskey at night have a little nightcap if I have beer at night, I will toss and turn all night long. That's wine and for I, me. And I don't know. I'm sure there. I'm sure science happens. Well, I <laughs> think it's more sugar involved, right? And I've read about this. That that does make sense. Mm-hmm. So there's more sugar in beer and wine than whiskey. And what happens is you're tired from drinking, blood alcohol content. You get sleepy, but then your body's process that sugar. So at like two, three, four in the morning, yeah. all of a sudden you're up and awake because you have that energy that from the from the booze. That Unless you sense. drink so much that you're drunk enough to pass out yeah. and sleep through that. And then that. you wake <laughs> up with a buzz. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for yeah. coming in today, Monica. Uh, thank you for thinking about us for the Speakeasy Market. I'm pumped about it. Uh, and thank you, everyone, for listening. Yeah, Cheers. thanks, everybody. See you soon. The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook, and if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening. Oh my God, that's good.